Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Great day to you. Happy Tuesday to each and every one of you. This is Bishop Kelly Zimmerman, and you're on Kingdom Today. And I am so excited that you are here today because you could have picked any place, but you, you decided to join us, and I am so thankful. Today we have a treat for you. Oh, my goodness. I don't know about how many of you, but I've been always a big fan of history. And in school, I would always excel in history. But I'm telling you, when I became a leader in the body of Christ, I found out through our guests that I still have a lot to learn, and I'm excited about the journey. I'm telling you today, we have none other than Apostle Thomas Henry, Jr., And I am so honored that he even took the time out of his busy schedule to come and impart it to us. You know, sometimes we fail to realize that it's very important to know the spiritual history as well as the tangible, because he will share with us why in a moment. I am just so excited. I'm telling you. You are in for a treat. This man of God knows history. He knows protocol. He knows about his office, and he is a dynamic teacher. And I'm telling you right now, you're in for a treat. I'm sure he would say that some will like him, some may not, but he's going to tell the truth. And so... I'm telling you right now, we are going to have a treat today. I am truly, truly excited, and I'm even more excited that you tune in to be a part of us. Apostle, are you in? He's not quite here yet, so we're going to keep on going. Praise God. He should be here any moment, so I'm looking forward to being taught, being educated, learning some awesome things because he is, I'm telling you, an awesome, awesome man of God. Um, One of the things is that we need to make sure that we know what we're doing. Why is that? That's because If we don't understand the history of the body of Christ, history of Christianity, history of the office that we walk into, then we are subject to make some tragic errors. There have been wars, there have been disputes, um, but the only thing that, that is going to prevail, we're going to prevail is if we know um, what history is about. So I'm just so excited. And I don't know about you, but I have pen and paper ready. And so I'm just so thankful. I'm just so thankful. And he is an awesome, awesome, awesome man of God. And so Not only does he know his history, he knows how to lead leaders. He's not one that's a fly-by-night, but he will also cultivate you so that you can apply all of the teachings that Christ would be glorified and the devil 
horrified. So if we don't do our part, then we have no one to blame because this man of God, this prophet of God, this apostle of God, this dynamic teacher is also going to be one who educates and equips. And he will tell you, if you've ever read, uh, listened to any of his videos or watched any of his videos or even sat in under his teachings, that you are going to learn something. And if you don't learn, it's on you. So I'm just so excited about him being here. And so he should be here any moment. I'm just looking forward to it. But it's so uh, insightful and it's so important for us. This man of God also has written books, and when I tell you, he has written some dynamic books. Oh, my goodness. He is a force to be reckoned with. He has written books. He has uh, taught on those books, but he's done the work. He's done the work. So I'm checking in with him right now and to see if everything is all right. So he should be on momentarily. All right. So we just bless the Lord. We just bless the Lord. So nevertheless, while we are waiting for him to come on, you know, some of the things that I can say from being a leader is that it's been challenging because there are certain things that I didn't know. And it's amazing uh, the amount of people that will share, that's willing to share information with you. Now, why do you, why do you think that? Uh, there could be a many reasons as to why. But some of those things could be because they don't know themselves. I remember asking years ago uh, someone that I seen highly as to uh, interpreting dreams because um, sometimes God will give me dreams. He will give me visions. And sometimes I didn't understand what they meant. And so I would seek wise counsel to ask, you know, the meaning of dreams. Uh, how can I get certain books? Uh, are there certain recommended books so that I can learn about dreams, learn about colors, learn about uh, different things that I experienced from my dreams? And it was a sad thing that that leader couldn't tell me. That leader could not tell me because I would think that that leader didn't know. And it was hard to deal with that for a while because here I am sitting under a leader or receiving a leader, and they're not teaching me. So when you have someone that is definitely willing to teach you the things of God, to help you and to challenge you, to go into leadership, I mean, go into your history, excuse me, then you will know that uh, that is a blessing right there. And this man of God, my God, he helps all leaders. I have called him myself uh, and asked for wise counsel, and I can tell you now, I received it. I definitely received it. And so, Whenever you are in a leadership position, you, it's not that you're going to have every answer in the world. It's not that you're going to know everything. But one of the things is, is that you're going to work with the people that you're leading to help find the answer, number one. And number two, you're going to make sure that you set it up because how can you lead someone and you're not studying? 
The Bible says, study to show thyself approved. A word with me, not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. And so it's important for us to know, to have the knowledge and have the wisdom. And if we don't know, proactively go out and try to find that information. Study, research. You know, in my study time, I have a Bible dictionary. Yes, I may look at a commentary uh, to see a perspective. I also look up the historical information. Anyone that has sat under me knows that what I like to do is give a brief history of that particular area. And throughout my sermon, I give a historical insight. And so the reason why I do that, because it may explain why the dynamics happen in each each text that I, I expound on, and that way we can get a clearer revelation and understanding of the word. And so it's important that we do this because if we don't, in many cases, you just looking at the text and you're just, uh, in other words, going by your own thinking and not including the historical, you're not exactly in all cases giving the people the right word because sometimes we will go off of emotion and not by the word of God. And so I submit to you that what we have to do is always study the history. Uh, Apostle Henry, are you on? There may be some uh, problems on the line, but that's okay because we will continue on and go on. Um, Why do you think it's so important to know the historical information? Why? What do you think? What have been some of your biggest challenges because of limited knowledge? Some of the challenges that we have maybe experienced is the fact that we may repeat certain things. Have you ever, for example, looked at from, I can only speak from an African-American perspective on this part, but go back and look up the history. Hi, Apostle. How are you? I'm fine. Are you? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for joining in uh, with us today. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, the honor is mine. I was sharing with the people how important it was uh, to share on the history, to understand the history of the Bible, history of every one of our texts. And we are so thankful because I've known myself from watching many of your videos that there has been even things that even when I researched, you have shared uh-huh. some light on some additional things. And I think that I believe that the people of God will be blessed by that. And you represent a remnant, because I'm going to give you your flowers while you're breathing. <laughs> <laughs> but many leaders, do not have the knowledge, and the word of God says that my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge, and that right. can go many folks, but you have that knowledge, and you have trained so many leaders and have been such a blessing to the kingdom of God. I thank you myself because it sheds so much revelation where even as a female bishop, I might mm-hmm. not have gotten that information. So I wanted to thank you first and foremost. And so, uh, tell the people a little bit about the history. How did you first get involved or get so into church history? Because your knowledge is unprecedented. Well, um, that started in school. I mean, in school, I always liked the uh, social sciences and the histories, history classes, world history. And uh, what really intrigued me is around 16 years of age, you know, I started asking questions about God, church, life in general, and I wanted answers. And so um, a lot of the people I asked for answers, like they couldn't give me the answer to the questions that I wanted. And so this uh, uh, caused me to actually go and research for myself. Mm-hmm. And um, and in the midst of that research, it actually prepared me. So when I did go to college, when I did go to uh, Bible college, I was like, 
uh, surprised my professors and stuff because I knew things that I probably shouldn't have known by that time without uh, having studied under some uh, teacher or what have you. But uh, it was it was just simply life catching up with me at 16 and really wanting to uh, know, just be in the know. Knowing, and then the other part, you know, being an African-American and a lot of us don't understand our own culture and history, and researching that as well, um, and wanting to research that as well, actually gave me a hunger for uh, studying history. Mhm. Mhm. I know myself. Uh, growing up, I enjoyed world history, especially uh, mm-hmm. because it is so important that we have that knowledge because. Uh, some of the diplomats that come from the different parts of the world, they mm-hmm. behave certain things. Even in right. my field, in, in the clinical counseling field, you have to understand history to understand why a person behaves the way they do, and right. that will allow you to give the right diagnosis as a clinician. So that's right. really important. So. You know, when a doctor diagnoses any doctor, they're going to ask you your family history. Mm-hmm. And so history is very important, very important. Yes, yes, yes. Um, now, in as you were growing up, were you the A student in history, or was it just that you had a passion for it? Oh, I definitely had an A student. As a matter of fact, I was actually the teacher pet in my history class because I excelled at what I did. Amen. My God. You see, I'm telling y'all, this is this is what is so motivating. So tell me, in your own opinion, why is it so important that we need to be knowledgeable? You know, I expressed mine just a few minutes ago, but uh-huh. kind of give us a history give us an insight as to why it's so important to know not only our world history, but also the history that affects our spiritual guidance. Well, the, the thing is that um, if you really want to understand anything in life, if you want to understand where you came from, want to understand, any, like, except like the example of the Bible and the things that you, you hear me talk about a lot on Facebook, if you're not aware of history, you're not aware of the background, you're going to always misinterpret always misinterpret mm-hmm. because your view is closed, closed-minded, limited, and what have you, and all of that. So you got to, you got to know your background. Uh, it's like the Bible. There are certain things in the Bible you'll never understand just reading the text from the surface. If you do not know the history of the text, you, you, you're going to come away with what we call eisegesis, where you mm-hmm. bring your opinion to the text without knowing what the text is all about. So history is very important. It gives you a holistic view of whatever you're studying, whatever you're referencing, whatever you're appealing to. My goodness. I know that what I was sharing with the people, I think, right before you came, is that mm-hmm. whenever I write my sermon uh, mm-hmm. in preparation, I have several books uh, all around my bed or, or all around my desk or wherever I'm studying it. Mm-hmm. And... Um, going back and researching that history of that text, mm-hmm. it allows the people to have a better understanding uh, because sometimes we may say uh, Jesus wept, and mm-hmm. and you'll go look at, uh, what was that movie, Barbershop, you mm-hmm. know, and because Ice Cube said Jesus wept, then you may take his interpretation, just like you just mm-hmm. said, and just, just take it totally out of context. You know, but people, so many unfortunate today, don't take time to research it, but they can Mm -hmm. throw a hoop in there. They can throw a holler in there, but they're Mm -hmm. not providing the right revelation on the word of God. And God doesn't want us to misinterpret his word. That's right. Mm -hmm. So, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Apostle. But you guys finish your thought and I say it after that. Okay, so um, when you're studying, let's say, for example, you per se, when you're mm-hmm. studying to prepare to teach and preach, how many hours do you per se utilize? Is there a certain amount of hours that you use? 
And I'm just I'm asking a wide variety of questions because I want even the person that is just coming in, just debating on whether uh, they're going to accept the call to preach or teach, uh, to be able to understand in the simplest what you're going to have to do. Well, most of the time, I don't, I don't take anything less than about 10 hours, less than 10 hours. I prefer more than that, but no less than 10 hours if I'm going to actually study. Um, I use a lot myself so many hours each day uh, to prepare whatever I'm preparing for, um, time to study, time to research, um, time to go over, pull all the references I got, think of any book that I may have read that had a quote in it. Um, so a minimum of 10 hours, uh, sometimes more than that, because it, it should be a lifestyle. It should mm-hmm. be a lifestyle. Uh, some people only pick things up the night before and and try to prepare something. Uh, mm-hmm. But you can tell those kind of uh, um, uh, have put together things, you can tell it that this is a last-minute work because of how it's put together, what what is said. But uh, if you want to really prepare something worthwhile, it's, it's going to take time. Take time, yeah. you know, take time. A minimum of at least 10 hours. You, need, you may need more because, like I said, you got to exegete, and exegete requires a whole lot more than just reading stuff that's of the text. Amen. You know, one of the leaders that I sat under years ago uh, told us when we were first, when I was first uh, operating in ministry, was going through ministry training, is that you have to meditate on that scripture. Like you have mm-hmm. to spend time with it, that scripture, as, just like a jealous woman. Right. (laughs) It's funny coming from me, right? Uh, But it's just like you have to spend time with it. You have to nourish. You have to understand, and you have to, like you said, study, research. Mm -hmm. You know, because you know, so many people, like you said, and I've seen some people have to. I've been around some leaders. And they would wait until that morning and right. or that evening. And they do God of this service and the people. Mm-hmm. Spending that time is so critical. It is. That, so, that, the night before should be time that you, you're really <laughs> wrapping all your studies up and you're doing your last minute. But your, your major time should be spent all week long researching that text. Dissecting text, letting the text speak to you. No matter what you're trying to talk about, you gotta let what you're gonna speak about speak to you. That's why everybody that's a good teacher need to have a notebook when they're reading what they're gonna present, so that you can let the text speak to you, tell you what it's it's, it's saying. Hear from your heart. See what your heart telling you. Uh, what the text is saying. Write these notes down because that is imperative that you do that because that may be something that you may need to say to the people. But mm-hmm. you'll never get that rushing through it on a Saturday night or early Sunday morning. My goodness. You are absolutely right. I believe I, I did that myself young in my early days of ministry and I learned real quick that you got you have to spend that time. So you have written quite a few books. I have. And could you tell us about some of the books that you have written? Okay, I've, I've written a lot of them to deal with church leadership. Uh, for example, um, the first one I wrote was called Episcopal Formation, The Making of a Bishop, and it just detailed the office of bishop. It gives a historical view of the office. It gives a biblical view of the office. It, it traces it through history. It shows the transformation of the office from just being a regular pastor of a church to what it is today, a pastor of pastors. And uh, it gives you all of that, all the etymology of the word bishop. It uh, gives you what the office entails because it's just more than just being an administrator. I wrote, I wrote one on the, uh, called Apostolos, um, the making of apostles. It speaks of the, uh, the emissary of the church, the apostle, the missionary of the church. It deals with that. Gives you a history of that and tells you um, if they are active today in, in the church. I, I wrote a book on liturgy. 
uh, that describe uh, the church, the work of the church, because that's what the word liturgy means, the work of the church, work of the people. And it describes it gives a historical o- overview of what the liturgy of the church is. I wrote one entitled, um, Is Apostolic Succession Biblical? Because a lot of people, that has become a buzzword in this uh, past, maybe, what, 25, 30 years, this has been a buzzword, especially mm-hmm. in the black community. And um, so I wanted people to have an understanding of what that is from a historical and a biblical perspective. I've also wrote a book called The Sons of Issachar, and it deals with um, the seer, the, the, the prophet, and the watchman. And it gives you mm-hmm. just a brief um, look into what the prophetic is, what the authors entail, and how it relates to the New Testament ministry today. And um, and I got several other ones I wrote as well. So I, I got about, I think about 12 or 13 books out. Got some that's on the burner right now that's uh, in the process of being wrote. That is quite impressive right there. That is so impressive because um, it is it's important to know your office. And that's uh, a dynamic that as I shift into uh to know your office, know how to function in it. I know you've seen quite a quite a bit of things uh, in your tenure. Um, now, how long have you been in the bishopric? Since uh, October twenty third, two thousand and five. Wow, wow! But I tell you, just from my observation. Uh, you're very seasoned, very seasoned, very seasoned. Uh, whereas there may be some, uh, maybe even older in the office, and then that's not a put down. Uh, Glean from your expertise, from your knowledge. So, from your experience, what have you seen to be some of the biggest challenges because of the fact that many leaders may be limited in their knowledge of history and their office? Well, one of the biggest challenges is that people don't know what they're getting to. They are um, walked down the road of being consecrated, being placed into an office, but they're placed into an office they really do not understand, and they don't really know how to function in it. And then um, I found out, especially the last several years, that uh, that's what really promoted me pushed me to actually write the books I wrote because people kept coming to me and they said, you're like the answer man anyway, could you help us understand this and understand that? And, and I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to put this into a book format so it answers everybody's question. And so that's, that to me is, is the biggest of that we got a lot of people who are being promoted, but they don't know what to do once they get in the office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to be called. You, know, you can be called to be a policeman. But you still need to learn how to handle the office, how to handle the badge, how to shoot the gun, how to arrest somebody, mm-hmm. how to take somebody down. Just because you're called to do something don't mean that you're prepared to do it. Mm. That is absolutely right. Um, I've, I've seen many also come in and they're limited in the understanding. Uh, some things I have to admit that I was limited in and I'm still learning because I've been in the office of a bishop for about four years going on five now. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's a lot to the office, not just being a bishop, but even being a pastor and uh, an apostle. You know, a lot of people have different understandings of those, mm-hmm. and they're not necessarily the correct understanding. And so right. that is such a blessing uh, to be able to have those books. Uh, to get some insight on. Now, uh, there has been, unfortunately, also, and I know you've seen this and heard this, that there's been an increase of what I call fly-by-night appointments. Right. Uh, What are are some of your concerns regarding this? Because it's a disheartening because uh, some people just not call. So what are your thoughts? I think one of the biggest issues with that is is that there's a misinterpretation of uh, uh, 1 Timothy 3.1. 1. 
when it talks about a desired office and people say, well, that's man-made, man, anybody can be that. You just have to have a desire for it. So what happened is we start putting people in position that maybe are not, ne- they are not necessarily like called to be, uh, be in that position. And so uh, they're not called to it. And so not everybody that we promote is called. So it's time now that we start, uh, we, we, uh, we, uh, Hold on just a minute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm thanking God for this wealth of information. Yes, ma'am. Um, because this is such a blessing. But go mm-hmm. ahead. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. And so we have to, uh, so we got to do a better job at vetting people and stop just putting people in a position just because we think, well, they desire this or they ought to be this and that. Uh, that's a, that to me is a big issue. That's why we have a lot of people that are immature, not functioning like they should, and all that because they're. We just promoted to the people, and and I, I I'm not gonna call names, but there are a lot of people that are guilty of this because they're trying to go numbers, they trying to uh, mm-hmm. try to make themselves look like they uh, I, I'm I'm this I'm that he's really using me so uh, because look at my numbers and numbers don't mean thing you know Jim Jones had numbers mm-hmm. you know <laughs> Joseph yeah, Smith got numbers <laughs> mm-hmm. Joseph Stalin's had numbers he's Communist. A lot of people got numbers, but numbers don't prove a thing. That's right. That's right. I've seen churches that may have about four members in there, but the presence of God is unprecedented in there. And whereas you may have some mega churches, and God ain't nowhere in there. <laughs> I got to say, and Southern Soul, you know, it, it's a it's a shame that. Um, I had recently uh, a couple of uh, instant messages where people wanted to be under my covering. And um, for whatever reason, uh, they had problems and challenges uh, where they were. So what I would tell them was to send their copies of their documents so that I could research their information, get in touch with their people, and then... I noticed that they wanted to uh, rush, rush, if you will. And that showed me where they came from. Evidently, they weren't under good leadership or they have done something that was out of order. Right, right. They didn't want to be called on it. They wanted to hurry up and, quote, get Mm -hmm. um, uh, another form of validation, if you will, to right their wrong. What do you think about that? That's a, that was a couple of actual experiences that I've been through. Yeah, that's that's one of my another one of my little pet peeves because I am the kind of person I will make you wait. I'll make you wait, and people don't like that. People do not like the aspect of waiting. And there's a there's a sense that impatience possesses your soul, and so a lot of people don't have that patience. And and you know, I think Paul says in Romans five that patience produces character. And a lot of people don't have that. They don't have that. And I've learned that if, if anybody's going to be a part of whatever I'm doing, if they can't wake me out, if they can't wait with me, if they can't allow me to walk them through the process, they don't need to have. They don't need to be on my team. They don't need to be with me. They don't need to work with me, co-work with me, co-labor with me, whatever they call us that want to do with, with us, they don't need to be a part because waiting to me is a great part of the process. But for some reason, I guess because we are in this microwave generation where everybody want to do things instantly, you know, pop-up success. Mm -hmm. They want to be like, uh, and this is no shade when I say this. I I remember when I was much younger uh, following uh, Bishop Bryant's son, Jamal, when he first got on the scene and how he started with 42 people and then all of a sudden he's filling up one auditorium. And then after he went there, he filled up a bigger auditorium. And a lot of people want to be like that. But not all of us are gifted to be like him. Not all, not all of us has those great oratorical skills where we can we can get the scripture, get whatever we want to talk about, and draw the crowd. And so some of us have to learn to do like the old school people did: wait, mm-hmm. wait, prove ourselves, uh, um, make your calling and your election sure. And 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 because if anything that's gonna last in your life. If you take the time to build it, it'll last. Mm-hmm. You take the time. If you rush through it, anything that you rush through to build, 
sooner or later it's going to come crashing down. It's going to fall. It's going to be an embarrassment to you, and it's going to be an embarrassment to others. But for some reason in this generation, we don't have people that want to wait. They don't want to be trained. They don't want to be vetted. They don't want people to assist them. They think they already know everything. They think they already have it together. But those kind of people are the worst people to promote, worst people to promote in any area of life. I mean, if I was in the secular world, I wouldn't promote some people, some of these people that don't want to wait. Right. Because it's in the waiting that you learn who you are. You develop the skills that you need in life to do whatever assignment that you're called to do. And it, it's important. It's very important that we learn to wait. And I think that's why I thank God for this, for, for the guy. He's my, he's my spiritual mentor, father, all of that wrapped up in one. This guy found me when my dad had walked out of my mom and my sister and brother's life. And when I tell you this guy made the, the most difference in my life, and he did something unique. He just simply called me son. And he would never call me back my name, Thomas. He would never call me my last name, Henry. He would just simply call me his son. And he didn't have any sons. He only had daughters. And he said, you're mm-hmm. my son. And he invested time in me. And it was time I used to get mad with him because when I, I said, man, I got to have this in her. No, you don't. Just wait. And I used to get upset. But then all of a sudden, I had no choice to do, like you said, and weigh it out. And I promise you, waiting it out produced something in me. It it caused me to be the kind of person that I can look at something and everything falling apart and still smile and say, I'll stand still anyway. Because I learned through that man how to wait. How to wait on everything. Mm -hmm. Not rush anything. But like I said, like you said, like I was saying, we have a lot of younger people who want to rush through everything. They want everything in a hurry. Do it now. Do it now. Make me the, give me the papers now so I can go out and do this. And they go out, we're giving them papers, and they fail because they don't want to weigh out the process. Mm-hmm. My God. It's, it's so disheartening to see when churches are closing because they fail to wait. It's, it's disheartening to see uh, in the news different uh, leaders being called out for things because they didn't wait. It's, it's a disheartening thing when souls have been uh, desiring to know Jesus, but they turn away because of the fact that that leader didn't wait and make a hasty decision. I'm like that myself, I, and I just firmly believe that waiting produces a finished product, and it's a product that's excellent in the sight of God. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, going through also the process of mm-hmm. cultivating leaders, you've cultivated many leaders, mm-hmm. uh, and you notice also with the emergence of of female leaders, mm-hmm. uh, how? What are your thoughts about that? Because some people don't believe that women should be in leadership. That's right. Well, I don't believe that, but I I have no issue with that. I believe because you know when I read Genesis chapter one and two, I see what God said. He gave them the man. Mm-hmm. He gave them the man to work together. And the word help meet. Two words in English, one word in Hebrew, simply means co-labor, co-worker. And mm-hmm. so God intended for both of them to work side by side. So I have no issue with that. I have mm-hmm. no issue with that. I know a lot of people that do. I, I literally believe that those that do really have not actually studied the text. They study it from a culturally biased point of view. Mm-hmm. Biased point of view. I mean, they, you have to because there's no way you can literally read the text and come away from the text rejecting under the gospel of Christ that there is no difference between male or female. There's no difference between bond and free. We're all one in Christ. If you can come away from that text mm-hmm. and believe and, and, and think something different, then you're not reading the same text I'm reading. You're not reading from an authentic historical or biblical point of view, you read it with a cultural or denominational bias that is against women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because God, I mean, it, it would not be like God. If God said, I'm no respecter person, why would he 
have respect the person when it comes to the female gender if she is just as much Adam as Adam is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he never said, even though her frame may be a little different from ours, uh, the Bible mm-hmm. never said she was weak. It just said treat her as the weak vessel. It didn't say mm-hmm. she weren't, was the weak vessel. It treat her as she's weaker. There are a lot of women, as I met, that are stronger than some of guys. Some of them are better at math than some of us men. But some of them are better at at, their, uh, at at logical skills and, you know, thinking things out. And uh, sometimes we we can be technical, but sometimes we'll miss the mark. But that lady sometimes can just, you know, see the ins and outs of everything. Because, you know, ladies are taught how to make things stretch, how to make things work. Most times we just talk to bam, 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 do this, that. But you can you can find uh, some of these sisters, and they can squeeze blood out of a turnip. My God! <laughs> <laughs> and you, you need skills like that. You need people that can see, think outside of the box. Yes, yes, yes. I know. I uh, experience, and I and I'm sharing a lot of my experience because I want people to also be as blessed uh, because I'm still growing in grace too. I'm still learning myself, and and I'm embracing the journey. But right. I had uh, on Facebook because, and I know this is uh, from what we, uh, you and I both have seen. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people not gonna always agree with us, and so right. they decide that they want to be vigilante do-gooders, uh, and I'll say it like that: they want to correct us or chastise us in public. But uh, I had a woman come inbox me and said, I think it was about a year ago, uh, I don't believe in uh, women as bishops. I was, uh, I had a post about something that was totally different from uh, what she was talking about. But she just came on in, and she wanted to debate and debate and debate. And the favorite scripture that I've heard about this, is a bishop should be a husband of one wife. I said, oh, here we go. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) And so, long story short, I told her, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you on my page. You don't have to believe in me. Just believe in Jesus. Because if you believe in Jesus and if you study, you know, you're going to study about him. You're going to learn as much as possible about the word and you're going to know that we're in this race together. You're spending too much time fighting a senseless battle when there are people, there are souls out there that need to be saved. And so uh, I ended up having to block that person, and I don't block people too easily, but that person, we we was going to end up pulling an (laughs) (laughs) all-nighter. So, but you have trained a lot of people uh, and I'm going back to that because you have a reformation yourself, a fellowship yourself. Can you tell right. us a little bit about uh, your fellowship? Well, it's called the uh, Apostolic Community Churches. Uh, we have people that are, part, that are part of that from uh, across the United States, uh, some in Europe, some in Africa. Uh, I think we have some people actually in Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, mm-hmm. We have, I think, uh, some people in the Bahamas maybe as well. And uh, it's a unique organization. Uh, it's not called apostolic because of being oneness. It's just simply called apostolic because the word means of the apostles, founded on the teaching of the apostles. Um, it's, it's a communion of family of people, churches, ministries, uh, of like precious faith. Um, we don't fight over uh, baptism, so you'll have people among us that you'll see who baptize in Jesus' name and some that baptize in the name of the Trinity, and we don't fight over it because we believe in being a big big family of faith because, it's, you know, it's not going to be a Baptist heaven or it's not going to be a Methodist heaven. It's not going to be an apostolic heaven. It's going to be one heaven. And um, if you are redeemed of the Lamb, you'll all be a part of it. So we, we said we're not going to fight over the, over the non-essentials. That's not affecting your salvation with, with name mm-hmm. being baptized as long as you get baptized in the faith. And so mm-hmm. we, we're a group of people. we got young and old. Um we have women and men in leadership. Uh, we we reach out. We have a ministry. We reach out to mentor young kids. Matter of fact, 
one of our guys out there in uh, Alabama is working on starting a mentoring program for young men, and uh, that we're going to try to take it nationwide with the whole organization. We uh, we have uh, uh, we do a lot of training with our leaders. Uh, all of our people are well trained, um, well taught. Uh, they can say what they, they can teach the same way the leader teaches. They they know the material. They know what the book says. They know how you know. Even though some of them may have that personal opinion on things, which we mm-hmm. allow for that, but they they do know that you know. Whatever we teach, it has to be scripturally grounded. It has to be uh, culturally grounded. It has to be biblically grounded. And so we got a, we got a good group of people. We have people from in Wisconsin, um, Georgia, Alabama, North South Carolina, uh, Maryland, D.C., Wisconsin, Michigan. I think we're getting ready to pull in some more people from Michigan, Ohio, Texas, Oklahoma. Uh, California and a few other places here in the state, mm-hmm. not counting, and Switzerland. We have, as a matter of fact, we have actually a woman bishop there in Switzerland that oversees a church in Switzerland and in Kenya, and we have some people in Ghana, uh, Togo, and a few other places in Africa as well. Wow, wow. You all are growing at the, growing at the scene, uh, if that makes sense. Um and so you all are going to have an upcoming uh, convocation? Yeah, we, we call it a congress. And mm-hmm. uh, basically, it's not just only for the ACC. It, it just originally we had just the ACC and this convocation. But after but around 2012, we got together with some leaders and we formed this organization called the Congress of Apostles and Bishops, affectionately called COAB. And basically, it seeks out leaders across reformational lines and to train them, to vet them, to teach them, to encourage them. And so it's a time of fellowship. Uh, it's a time of impartation, uh, what have you. We, we have a great time, great time. It's not just only teaching, though, the classes are taught on, during the morning, but during the evening, like on Thursday evening, we go mm-hmm. bowling or shooting pool, uh, go out to eat and have a great time, a great time getting to know each other, getting to fellowship with each other, and just in part, it's not just only about what we teach and all of that, but it's also about uh, um, making a family mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and having a family of faith. Amen. It's so important that even though we we have our particular assignments, to also remember the fellowship one with another because right. you never know what a person may have to bring to the kingdom that can help you if you don't take time to get to know that person. And so right, it's really right. important. Mm-hmm. I like that. I might have to come down and, and play some bowling with you guys and everything like that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you will enjoy it. I, I promise you, you will enjoy it. Yes, sir. And when is that coming up? Because it's, it's in the near future. It's the 26th of September, September uh, 26th to September the 29th, I believe, starts on Wednesday evening. Classes are all day Thursday and Friday, fellowship time Friday night. There's a brief service on Friday night, and then there's a closeout thing on Saturday. Amen. Amen. Now, I have a couple of more questions as we're uh, getting close to the end of our broadcast. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, my question is what do you think – are some causes of burnout because one of the things that uh, we need to know as leaders is that mental health and holistic health really is essential. We have to uh, take pride in taking care of ourselves. So what have you attributed to be a major factor in burnout among leaders? Ooh, that's several things. One thing is that we we don't take time off. We mm-hmm. do not take time off. Um, um, I mean, we, we, we tend to try to work seven days a week, and none of us are made to work seven days a week. I think uh, Exodus says, man should work six days and rest one. And so we all need rest. We need time. Because if you do not take time for yourself, you will you will burn out. Your body will start shutting down. Uh, you won't be able to think right. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think everybody needs some time off. And uh, another thing, people. Another way we burn out because we try to, we try to carry our own burdens and try to do everything by ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. You, you need help. You need somebody to help you. You need somebody to assist you. You do not need to carry the load by yourself. And sometimes I think we get to a point where we want to be a one-man show, and you cannot be a one-man show. No matter what assignment you have, you cannot be a one-man or if you're a lady, one-woman show. You cannot. you got to depend on others to help you. Absolutely. And, you know, through studying our word, the Word of God, we see that this is important because the Bible talks about all of these things that we need to take care of ourselves. We have to remember that, you know, the body has many members, but we're all one body. And so we're interdependent on right. each other. And so, you know, a lot of times by that wrong perception, like we were talking about earlier, of what the Word says, you know, I've seen mm-hmm. pastors that uh, says, well, at this age I'm going to stop preaching because I'm so tired of doing this and this and this and this. Well, you know, if you follow what the Word of God says, then mm-hmm. you'll know that you'll be drawing from his strength, mm-hmm. you know. But if you don't know the Word, if you don't study, if you don't read the history, study the history, then you don't know these things and you have your own perception of what uh, leaders in your position and various positions are supposed to do. You're, you'll be misinformed. You know, I think that also attributes uh, to a, the unfortunate suicide rate among clergy, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a shame for somebody, for someone who uh, is just accepted their call to mm-hmm. leadership, spiritual leadership, what would you recommend for them? to help them along their journey. They need to study, need to develop a library, and they need a mentor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They need, that, that's the main thing that I think you need to study. You need to need to study, need to get a library developed, and you need a mentor. You need to you need a mentor. And, and I think, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, those, those three things are very important. If you study, if you... Uh, Study, it'll improve you, it'll sharpen you. If you get a mentor, they can train you, develop you, school you in the way you need to go. If you get a library, it will help enrich your knowledge. My God, that is absolutely impressive right there. And it's important um, to have those mentors. Um, mm-hmm. So many people now have gone renegade, and yeah. they don't have anybody imparted to them. It's important to also be accountable, you know. Some feel because they're in certain positions now that accountability, uh, they don't have to be accountable. And so why is it important to also be accountable to someone in authority over you, regardless of your position? Say, for example, I'm a bishop, but I would be accountable to you as the apostle, as the archbishop. Uh, why is that so important? I mean, the first reason why it's important because the Bible says that your power be subject to higher power. That's the first thing. Second mm-hmm. thing is is that how can you be in authority if you're not under authority? And this is proven from the gospel. In the gospel, when the centurion man said, "Hey, I'm in authority because I'm a man under authority," and you you out of order to ask people to follow you when you can follow somebody else. Paul mm-hmm. says something so important. I think he says in Philippians or Ephesians, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So how can you tell somebody to follow you and you're not following somebody else yourself? If a leader need a mentor, if a leader need a pastor. My thing is, if if the people that we don't, we kind of disdain and look down on like Catholics and Orthodox, if those folks have a personal pastor and they ain't big leadership, why can't we? Because you need somebody to share your burden, to help you carry your load. You can't do this by yourself. Matter of fact, in the, in the scripture everybody's used to support marriage is really much wider than that because he, he literally says it's not good for the man to be alone. Not man, but the man. That means human. And so that literally is we're not an island to ourselves. But yet we got a lot of people, just like you said, they don't think they need anything. I'm good by myself. Mm-hmm. You can't be good by yourself. I mean, especially we believe God is trying you. If God is trying you like we believe, 
in each member of that triune Godhead is dependent upon the other. They're not independent. They're dependent. Mm-hmm. And we got to act like that. we got to act like that. And Bugs said, I don't need nobody. You're still saying that you don't understand the mystery of Godhead. You don't understand the mystery of godliness. But you say, I just don't need nothing. Mm. Mm, that is, that, that's what I'm talking about right there, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you good teaching. Um, you know, for some of those that may be under someone and they don't feel like they're getting uh, mentored appropriately or, or what would you say about that or being taught? Well, the first thing I would do is write down my concerns and address it with the people that are, that you deal with. You know, I wouldn't just up and leave without because that, that does a disservice to those people that you're connected to if you don't write down your concerns and address it with them. And once you address it with them and they don't do anything about it, then it, it, it's incumbent upon you to decide what you're going to go do with your next level of development. Are you going to stay with the people you will, or are you going to move forward and find somebody to help push you to where you need to be at? Mhm. Mhm. Nice. So, as we're getting ready toward the end of our segment, because I I've been really been blessed by this, and you know, I try to get to as many videos of your Facebook lives as 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 possible, because that I mean, you really give some good teaching. Uh, my last question to you is, what book? would you recommend for someone to uh, expand their horizon? Is there a particular book or books that you would really recommend them to have on a consistent basis to keep that study and momentum going? Oh, there, uh, there's a book by Hartel. Uh, it's called Biblical Hermeneutics. That's a very good book, especially for those who want to really know how to uh, explain the text, break the text down. I think it's a it's a tall book, it's a thin book, but it's a good book. Um, matter of fact, it was a textbook that we used at our school that I went to, uh, Bethany, to deal with biblical hermeneutics. That's good. Um, I can't think of the author of this book, but it's a book called Apologetics that I got at my house. I actually put a picture of it on Facebook, and it's a very good book because it, it answers the basic questions. Uh, how do we explain God? How do we explain this, that, and all that? And it does it from a philosophical point of view. And so those that are really interested in those kind of arguments, that that is a very good book because it actually helps you uh, explain some of the questions that you kind of find hard to explain, like, like, like why does good and evil exist? Mm-hmm. You know, why do bad things happen? Uh, that particular book, Apologetics, is a very good book. Um, what else? Um, I also suggest if you're going to be real good at sharpening skills, you, you need a good set of commentaries. You need one set by one person, but you also need uh, other commentaries from other authors that, that is very good because you need to know what other people thought of that particular text. Don't just wing it and say, well, this is what we say, this is what my denomination says, but you need mm-hmm. different commentaries. So get a good set of commentaries. Get a, get a good uh, Greek lexicon, not just strong, but theirs. Um, be com- uh, come familiar with the... Uh, the uh, extended word study of the Bible, the, the, the Hebrew and the Greek New Testament, so that you can become a better student. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if um, anyone wants to get in touch with you to either join your Reformation or to get more uh, insight on historical uh, events or even ask you in, to come and minister to the people of God, how can they reach you? I think you can reach me through Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, Thomas Henry. Uh, they'll see my picture with my first book on the on the page right now. Or they can go to coaab.org, coaab, there's two A's in it, coaab.org, and they can go to there. They can go to, the, I think it's like a battles page or something that you can click on the link, and you can mm-hmm. message us through the page to get more information. Okay. I am so thankful for you taking time out of your schedule to come and be a blessing uh, to the body of Christ. Um, you also have services now. Um, to, uh, what are your services and where are they located? It's at the Stone Mountain Inn and Suites in the conference room. It's uh, Sunday evenings at 5 o'clock. 
Awesome, awesome. And that's in Tucker, Georgia. Okay, awesome, wonderful. And I just know that people are being blessed. I pray that they continue to come to where you, you have no choice but to move on to a bigger building because, you know, the matter of fact, the things that you impart are so life-changing, and we give glory to God for using you as his uh, vessel of honor uh, to glorify him and to teach the people of God. Uh, before we leave, I want to thank uh, you, Apostle Henry, for coming in. Uh, I would like to put some information about you on my page, if that's okay with you. Uh, we also want to thank our sponsors, Evangelist Victoria Sheffield, uh, because she has been one of the instrumental factors in helping this program continue on next to God himself. We would just want to give that glory and honor and recognize her. We want to thank each and every one of you for joining us. And I'm telling you, I encourage you to, when you get a chance, watch some of Bishop Hen- Apostle Henry's, uh, please forgive me, uh, Apostle Henry's uh, Facebook Live, you will learn something. If you don't learn something, it's because you chose not to learn. And so we want to thank you so much for joining us today. We want to uh, encourage each and every one of you to join us uh, within the next couple of weeks. We'll have Kingdom Today back on. Uh, and I just want to bless you, Apostle. I speak an abundance and overflow in your life. Uh, thank you. To, each and every one of you know that I love you all with the love of the Lord. But guess what? Jesus loves you best. I want you all to have a blessed evening. Thank you so much again, Apostle. Thank you for having me. Sorry for being a little late. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. We're just blessed by your presence. You all have a wonderful evening. Good night. Mm-hmm. Good night.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.